Welcome to the Michigan Opportunity, an economic development podcast featuring candid conversations with business leaders across Michigan. You'll hear firsthand accounts from Michigan business leaders and innovators about how the state is driving job growth and business investment, supporting a thriving entrepreneurial ecosystem, building vibrant communities, and helping to attract and retain one of the most diverse and significant workforces in the nation. Hello, my name's Ed Clementi. I'm your host today, and I'm very privileged to have a friend I've known for a while. She's the Executive Director of Design Corps Detroit, Vice President of Strategy for Communications and College of, for Creative Studies, Olga Stella. Welcome to the show, Olga. Thanks so much for having me, Ed. Yeah, Olga, you uh, I've known you quite a while, but let's hear a little bit first, because People in the know know what CCS is, but uh, why don't you tell people kind of what you tell people real quick if they never heard of it? Sure. So CCS is the College for Creative Studies. It's Detroit's private art and design school uh, located here in Detroit for over 100 years. And um, it's a really important institution that is training, you know, creative problem solvers who are change makers in our world in every industry. And as part of my work at CCS, um, not only do I lead uh, marketing communications, but also all of our external facing programs that work with partners in the community, like our Office of Partnerships, which is the front door to the college, Community Arts Partnership, which works with uh, youth in the community, youth and families, and provides art and design education. Um, In 20 years, over 6,000 uh, students um, throughout Detroit, the city of Detroit, and then Design Corps, um, which is where I've spent the majority of my time at CCS last uh, six years as executive director, which is really working to establish Detroit as an international global source of creative talent through the design businesses that we support all throughout um, the region. And, you know, for sort of uh, people have been around a little while, it used to have a different name just so people remember what it used to be called too. Wasn't it the Center for Creative Studies, right? Yeah, way 20, back? 25 years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then um, the, and I know it's, why don't you physically say that kind of two, lo- or is it three locations? I forgot where you're. So we're located in Midtown Detroit. We have a Ford campus that's right in the heart of the cultural district by the Detroit Institute of Arts and the Charles H. Wright and the Historical Society. And then we also have the um, A. Alfred Taubman Center for Design Education, which is closer to, it's in the new center part of, of Midtown. Um, and that was a former General Motors Argonaut building. So very historic. Many people say that that's where the um, um, discipline of industrial design was really invented, was at General Motors Research and Engineering. Engineering uh, Center. And that's where, um, you know, um, Harley Earl, like, you know, was headquartered and did his work. And so um, we're very privileged to have our design education, you know, in the in the former Argonaut building. And that's a Albert Kahn building, too, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Like like many buildings in Detroit. But yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I know uh the cool thing about that place is the little circular thing. Isn't there like a revolving thing on the top? Yeah. Yeah. The turntable. I mean, that's, that was one of the original, you know, I think we're all familiar with um, General Motors design dome over at the uh, tech center in in Warren, but the original, you know, design dome that Daryl Motors had was in um, the top floor of the Argonaut building. And we still use that as an event space and the design and the turntable is functioning. And the whole purpose of a turntable um, from a, you know, product development perspective is that you can photograph it from any light. There are no shadows. So it's like kind of perfect lighting, a perfect way to view in, the, in this case, you know, an 
a car, but um, General Motors developed many products beyond vehicles in the um, in the Argonaut. You know, um, a, a wide variety of things that we don't have time to get into. So um, it's a really, I mean, it's great. It's a wonderful place for our students to learn. We're also very privileged to have university prep, art and design, high school and middle school in the building. So just it's a great. And then Chinola is also headquartered in our building. So um, it's a wonderful if you think about it from you know um, high school all the way to professional opportunities, you can get all of it at the Taubman Center. Yeah, I think I did the bills. If you remember, might have even been when we knew each other. I think you might have been working for Representative Steve Tabachman then. Yeah. We ran that bill through my committee because it was historical tax credit. I think we did for the Argonaut building. Actually. Yeah, no, that, that that would have been the case. And at the time when the Argonaut was was being redeveloped into CCS's um, Taubman Center for Design Education, I mean, it was it was the only other project happening in Detroit was the Western Book Cadillac. It was a very tremendous project. And so I'm just really proud to be part of the community at the college. Um, I think CCS has had a longstanding role in supporting um, creative people in Detroit um, at all stages of their career and their development. And um, uh, just this, you know, the real... um, uh, risk that it took, you know, this was 2008 during the recession, you know, CCS really put itself out there with many, many supporters um, to really create this wonderful asset. And we're just happy to keep building on the asset that we have here in Detroit. Yeah, it's a real anchor for the new center area. I know when you go down there, you can see the kids walking around a lot, uh, especially the high school kids. I know yeah. I've seen them there. Um, the other thing too is a lot of people probably know you though from DEGC, Detroit Economic Growth Corps. And uh, we, I, you were there for quite a while, weren't you? Yeah, Off and for 10 on? years. Yeah. 10 years, okay. 10 years. Yeah, I led strategy there for, and when I first, um, when I came back from the legislature and um, did public policy work and strategy for a little while, and then the bulk of my time, I led business development, attraction, retention, expansion, and then ended my time there as the chief operating officer. So um, this was a very full kind of 10 years. And I learned all the nuts and bolts of how to do deals in Detroit and how to move policy. Um, and um, just was able to, I think, to really connect, um, you know, my love for Detroit um, and, and you know, economic opportunity um, in that work. So, and it was a natural transition for me to be able to then come um, over to the college and lead Design Corps because I really believe that at the fundamentally, you know, when we often when we think about economic development deals, we boil them down to dollars and cents in the um, kind of real estate aspects. And in Detroit, you can't walk away from, you know, the uh, financial implications of real estate deals, you know, and, and what that means. But what companies are looking for is they're looking for talent and they're, and they're looking for talent that's going to be able to um, work in different ways, that's going to be able to respond to disruptive forces, that has a different set of skills. And when I think thought about the difference that I could make in this next stage of my career was really about figuring out how to support Detroit's talent on that global stage. And that's what we're able to do through the work at Design Corps and the work at the college. And in terms of really developing what that next generation of creative problem solvers looks like, but also lifting up the problem solvers who are already here in our own community, who are the graphic designers, the product developers, the architects, you know, all these different fields of design um, and creativity. And there is literally no place, product, system, you know, your clothes, everything that that is on your body that you interact with in the digital world 
some kind of designer or creative has influenced what that place product system, you know, thing is, works, how it works, how it works for you, um, you know, whether or not you want to keep using it, its features, all of that. And um, lifting up Detroit's unique talents in this space, this is a real strength of our, not just of our city and our region, but of our state, one that has been internationally recognized, you know, through this UNESCO designation of Detroit as UNESCO City of Design, but um, but also by the state and by others, you know, in its economic development strategy. And so something I'm just really proud to be able to lend my talents to helping to support these amazing creative people who are here in our city and our state. Yeah, you know, I'm not a huge UNESCO person, but maybe not for the what you guys are doing, Detroit, because I didn't know much about it. But why don't you tell people what that really means? Because I think it means a lot more than people have any idea what that designation means to us. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it, at first, it's a real compliment, right, to the city's legacy in design that goes back 100 years to Henry Ford and the assembly line. And then, you know, you kind of look at Cranbrook and mid century modernism, and then, you know, of course, the modern age. Um, but more than that, and I think what the reason, you know, I don't like to, you know me, Ed, and I don't waste my time. I don't like to chit chat and, you know, just go to conferences and hang out. I like to work. And this this designation is about people who want to work and who want to learn from each other. And so we're part of an international network of over 40 other design cities spanning all the continents um, that are all using their, their creativity to um, create a more sustainable and equitable future in their community. And so we're learning from these other cities. We're sharing what we're doing here in Detroit with these other places, and we're importing their ideas as well and learning and figuring it out. And so um, it's been a really wonderful experience these last five years. I mean, some of the highlights have been that Detroit, um, over 100 Detroiters participated in an international design biennale in France in 2017, um, where we were at center stage and talking about inclusive approaches and how we work here in Detroit. And really, I mean, over 200,000 people in Europe got to experience that. Um, We've had um, many um, of our fellow um, cities come to Detroit in 2019. We hosted the, um, the network work here and had like 30 people from around the world um, coming to learn about Detroit and to participate in our um, our month, our annual design festival, the uh, Detroit Month of Design, which takes place every September. So it's just a really amazing opportunity to both share our own story, learn from others, and, you know, get some stuff done. So there's a number of projects that we've done over the last, you know, five years since we got the designation that we can directly tie back um, to that network. Yeah, and, and this is a MEDC podcast, and hopefully we'll make some connections, you know, to work on some of these things as you move through this process even further. As uh, go ahead, yeah, well, we've add been, I mean, uh, we've loved working with MEDC. You know, Pure Michigan Business Connect has been a really important supporter of ours over the last couple of years because at the core of what we do is support a community of design businesses and trying to figure out how to help them grow their market in Detroit. And so our partnership with um, PMBC has been really important to that. Um, And then the Michigan um, uh, Council for Arts and Cultural Affairs has been a supporter of of the Month of Design Festival. Um, And so we're very grateful to, you know, for all that um, that support. So we know that there's only ways that we can keep deepening our relationship with MEDC. You're listening to the Michigan Opportunity, featuring candid conversations with Michigan business leaders on what makes Michigan a leading state to live, work and play. 
Listen to more episodes at michiganbusiness.org forward slash podcast. Even though you're based in Detroit, your footprint is like beyond the UNESCO. I mean, you've got a lot of interesting students as well as partnerships around the world, right? Yeah. So the college itself, I mean, one of the reasons why I'm so happy to be part of the college community, um, you know, in both of my expanded role now and when I came um, to the college six years ago um, is because it really is, this is a place where businesses are running in and out of the college every day. You know, we have hundreds of relationships with companies that are doing projects in our classrooms um, and working with our students, hiring our students, to work and and they're they're in Michigan, but they're all over. Seventy percent of our students are from Michigan, but eight um, percent of our students come are international, um, and and you know the rest come from around the country. And so we've done some really amazing projects um, with international companies. And actually, because of the pandemic, have really I think honed our ability to do these um, in a virtual setting. Um, you know, with you know especially with Asian companies, and so it's just a real. I mean, we're just, it's a it's a real asset. I think. Um, you know, for for our state in terms of just what our students are able to bring on an international stage. You, you mentioned a project. I thought it was in Japan, but I couldn't remember exactly. Do, can you remember which one that was we talked about before? Yeah. So we, I mean, so we've done a couple of things. So one is um, that it might be the Toyota um, Boshoku project. Yes. Um, so that was a sustainable mobility project that we did with our color materials graduate program. And the students researched the needs for user experience with ride hailing services. So really looking at the designs of vehicle interiors for the future, for 2030. Um, and so they worked in a virtual way with the um, Toyota B- uh, Bokoshu, um, you know, uh, leadership and figuring out what these um, projects could look like. They developed um, color materials, finished toolkits, you know, to the company um, and, you know, really learned a lot about the advanced technologies that the company was was using and use that to you know, help think about these, these um um, finishes and toolkits. But we've also, you know, we had students all through the pandemic who couldn't come here because of the restrictions on travel. And I mean, our faculty is so dedicated to really supporting our international students. Um, we had some faculty members basically teaching classes twice um, in the middle of the night, you know, to make sure that our students in India and, and in Asia, you know, throughout Asia had access. And so um, it's just been, you know, it's been challenging, I know, for everyone, but this idea of being in an international school is really important to our DNA. Our, many of our faculty are from around the world. Our dean of graduate studies is, is European. Um, you know, we want to bring a global mindset to what our students are learning and experiencing, regardless of where they're from, because that's the way the world is going to work. Um, and those are the kinds of solutions that we need for a better world. And as a side note, you're a bit international yourself. Yeah. Well, my parents are immigrants uh, from the former Yugoslavia and I uh, came here um, over 40 years ago. And so I I um, was very proud to, um, you know, to have uh, had that experience of growing up as, as a Serbian American, you know, immigrant in the suburbs of Detroit and, um, you know, you still speak it though, too, right? Yeah, I do. I do because my mother still speaks it, and so you know you got to speak your native, you know your your family's tongue, right? So um, it's been it's uh, it's definitely impacted. I was I was talking to someone, you know, my parents' um, work ethic and the culture, and um, 
it's, it's really made a huge impact in my life. And, and, you know, and I think that's, you know, all of us bring, bring those parts of ourselves to our work every day and to our experiences. And a lot of what we're trying to do, you know, what I hope to do through the teams that I lead and the work that we're doing at the college is to, um, you know, create the kinds of inclusive environments that allow more people to, you know, to, to be their full selves and to help create really, um, you know, products, places, services, systems that work for, you know, everybody, especially people who can often feel excluded from those places. So you've already kind of hinted at a couple of these things already, but what are some of the other disruptors maybe or challenges on the horizon? Because I know maybe you're going to correct me, but I thought the uh, Steve Jobs quote was, uh, was it form function follows form? <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's not, it's, uh, it's not just uh, if an item looks good, you know, if something looks good, it's got to work, you know, work well. Um, I think it's, and I've, I've, I used to no, use no, that I, quote all the time. So I've just butchered it as well, but um, yeah, no, I, you know, I, I was thinking a little bit about this Ed and um, I, you know, I think, I think there's a couple of things. I think one is, you know, we've touched on inclusion as a defining factor. And I, we just can't, if companies, if companies really, it's a, it's a um, more, more competitive market out there. And when we think about how do you um, get the largest market share, retain your customers, cut down your your um, retrofit costs, and drive innovation. It's by developing products for people who are often excluded, you know, from the conversation. Whether it's because of physical ability, race, culture, language, um, you know, other other characteristics, and so that that um, need to really have inclusive processes and design for inclusion is just something we just can't, it's not a fad. It's not something that um, is a, is a nice to have. If you want market share and you want to, to be efficient and have strong customer loyalty, you have to do it um, given how our country is changing, how the world is changing and it's the right thing to do. Um, So that's one that I just, you know, can't underscore enough and is really driving a lot of what we're doing at the college. The second one is climate action. Any of us who have lived through the last, you know, year or so, right, in Michigan with flooding and just the climate impacts, there's a lot of, um, you know, uh, growing conversation around heat-related death, Um, you know, even in our own state. There's a lot of these impacts to infrastructure that disrupt our daily lives and disrupt business, disrupt supply chains. And we can't turn away from that any longer, regardless of what our feelings are around, um, you know, the science of, of climate change. The fact is things are changing. There are climate impacts. We have to be, we have to start to address them and, and adapt and hopefully, you know, mitigate them. And so that's something else, you know, next year um, in 2022, the college will be hosting a um, conference uh, around climate action with the Cumulus Association, which is a design research association of international, it's an international association of schools doing design research. So um, that's something we're digging more and more into. And I think everyone, every, any business, any lead policy leader should really be thinking about, well, what does this mean? So really those two things, I think, go hand in hand. Well, a lot of our guests obviously have uh, echoed some of those sentiments, but, you know, especially on climate change, but also to your other point about the, the diversity issues is if you look at who the really sort of influencers are now today, they're very niche oriented, some of them. And I would imagine, you know, 
a lot of products now are being sold by people, not through the traditional corporate, you know, sort of plans. Individual people are really influencing people who look like them, act like them, talk like them, which didn't exist before. And I think that's a something you guys are probably involved with, I would guess. You have some social media classes probably too, I would guess. Yeah. I mean, I think that's part of like marketing, right? But what I would say is marketing is important, but if your product, so the, you know, the product is the, the tech, the place, the system, if that product ultimately um, itself um, it, uh, isn't inclusive, right? And, and, and by that, I mean, really allow people to engage in it fully um, and doesn't, doesn't create any frictions with what that engagement looks like. So that, that use pattern, then you can have all the marketing in the world, but just because a person who is similar demographic characteristics to me is selling it, if it's not a good product. I'm not going to use it. And that's ultimately what I think the business proposition is to, um, to the corporate community around you know, um, in- inclusion as a business practice, it, it shouldn't, it shouldn't, um, it shouldn't be window dressing. It really needs to be core because at the end of the day, if you want that customer loyalty and you want to expand that customer base, you're going to get better products by designing for the people that might not, you know, normally have been within your radar. Um, because you're going to be solving, you're using one, one solution maybe to solve more for more people's issues. And you're going to create that kind of customer loyalty um, and having them come back, you know, and being loyal to your brand because it's, it's authentic. And I think that's, that's where we have to get beyond, you know, marketing. And um, the, you probably touched on this a little bit, but uh, what advice would you go back if you could maybe talk to yourself about, or even a student today, maybe looking at a degree yeah, uh, or something, what would you tell them? I mean, I think flexibility is key and adaptability. You know, none of us know what the future has to hold. Um, I, you know, I, I definitely don't like, you know, you don't, Ned, right? We're, we're all doing our best here. And so um, if you have a growth mindset and you're always willing to learn and to be flexible, um, you're going to be able to adapt to what those opportunities are. So, um, you know, of course, we want everyone to come to, to the College for Creative Studies and um, use their creative problem-solving skills, you know, in one of our disciplines. But, um, but I think a growth mindset is the key, regardless of what field you're in. Um, and the very last question is what you've lived here, I think, your whole life, right? I don't I know. Yeah. Yes. And so what is your favorite thing to do either in Michigan or what event or where do you like to travel? Well, I mean, the obvious answer is Detroit Month of Design every September in Detroit, Michigan, <laughs> um, only because it's, you know, something we we put our blood, sweat and tears into uh, every year. But um, but, you know, I've I've lived um, in downtown Detroit for over 20 years now, um, almost on the same block the whole time. And um, I just really I love living in Michigan. I love living in the city. Um, I love raising my family here. And a lot of it, it's because I get um, the best of of all worlds. I have access to all the art and culture and kind of big city amenities that I would want. Um, I love the river. Um, But then, you know, less than an hour away is all the nature and hiking and outdoor sports a person could want. And, you know, within an hour and a half, I can get to a great lake. And so, um, 
I don't think there are very many places in the United States that have this kind of quality of life. I think people have underestimated the quality of life that are here. And sometimes, you know, they think about Detroit and they have the, the kind of their worst mindset in terms of the headlines. They don't realize that there are a lot of people having re- a really, um, there's, you can really have a good life here, especially if you have privilege, like, like I do. And so I recognize that, you know, some of, some of that is, you know, as a result of my own privilege, but, um, but it's a great, this is a great place to live and, um, just a real, I think more people should check it out. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's a good answer. Um, once again, I want to thank my friend, Olga Stella. She's the executive director, design core Detroit and vice president strategy and communications for the college for creative studies. Thanks again, Olga, for taking time to do this today and keep up the good work there and, uh, look forward to hearing more great things in the future from you. Thanks so much. Ed. Thanks for having me and for doing this great podcast. It's so informative. Don't forget to listen to next week's episode with Dr. Tariq Sob. He's the Vice President of Academic Affairs and Provost at Lawrence Technological University. But more exciting, he's the new incoming president for the institution. You will learn a lot about all the different things that involve entrepreneurship, engineering, robotics, design, and learn about his interesting path from Alexandria, Egypt to Michigan. The Michigan Opportunity is brought to you by the Michigan Economic Development Corporation. Join us and make your mark where it matters. Visit michiganbusiness.org forward slash radio to put your plans in motion. 